Well, it's Friday afternoon and it's time for the What's Next podcast with Pete and Dave. My name's Pete Holiday, and I'm a work transformation futurist and my co-host today is... Dave Yates. G'day everyone. I am a transformation advisor uh, and coach and today we're here with Antoinette Brax, master executive coach, author of Executive Coaching in Strategic Holistic Leadership, The Drivers and Dynamics of Vertical Development. Founder of the Global Stage Shift Coaching and Consulting Community and winner of the 2020 CEO Today Management Consulting Award for Leadership Coaching with a PhD in Developmental Psychology Coaching. Antoinette, I feel like an underachiever. How are you? Where do you join us from? (laughs) Asked you not to read that stuff, but still. Hey, it's nice (laughs) to be here. Thanks thanks so much. (laughs) Pleasure. Where do you join us from? Well, right now in Portugal, if I look out my window on the right-hand side here, I just see the ocean, about 180 degrees of ocean. I wanted to be by the ocean. I think lockdown sort of um, in the Netherlands for about a year um, felt a little bit in, I don't know, inland. I was too locked in. It wasn't a lockdown. I was locked in. So now I'm here with the ocean to enjoy the expanse of space again. It's just beautiful. So I'm here just for a few months. Oh, wow. Fantastic. That's great. I mean, I was in Sydney, as you know, a few while, you know, a few years ago. Pete, that's where we got to know each other, and um, I took off for Europe about three years ago. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there was a turning point in February, I think, twenty twenty, when I could have come back to the Australian Conference on Coaching, but I had a workshop going on in Dublin. So it was like, do I go back or do I stay here? And I ended up staying here, and here I still am. So, yeah, based in Europe. And so, what's keeping you busy today? Um, over the last. Probably 10 years, I've been distilling a research, research project on, on the drivers and dynamics of vertical development, how vertical development actually takes place. So not the theory on the stages or the sequence or anything like that. I accept all that sort of stuff as, as a lot of, lot of underlying truth to it. But how we actually shift, and particularly the shift to synergist, which a lot of people call strategist or the self-transforming or self-actualizing mind. Because that's what we really need in the world today to overcome VUCA. And that's what's only been growing at 1% a decade, can you believe, in terms of actual assessments. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, you know, let's see what we can do here. Yep. Yeah, I'd like to get your impression on that 1% because it's interesting because as I've mentioned to you prior to the call, we've had Nick Petrie on, we've had uh, Carl Sanders-Edwards as well, who's coming up in the next couple of weeks when we release his podcast. As well. And what do you – 1% is not, not a huge shift. It's even worse than the stock market at the moment. But um, <laughs> what do you think – why do you think it's only 1%? So I'd really like to get something from you around what is it? Yeah, I think I think there are three things that I just want to sort of emphasize for the audience here. It's grown one percent a decade, a decade, which means in the last twenty years we've only moved from seven percent mm. synergists to eight percent synergists. It's extraordinary. So I mean, obviously, mm. development's not working to get us to that level. It can only go so far. Leadership development programs, yeah, and coaching programs as well. So they're not sufficient to move us through to the to the synergist stage, which is really important to transcend VUCA. So I think there's three things that's missing. One is we're not blending strategic organisational development with leadership development. So the constraints in the organisation are confining what is latent and potential there for people to grow into. I think secondly, we're not doing enough shadow work. There's insufficient shadow work done in organisations. You've got to trans, you know, uh, process so much personal shadow during fourth person perspective to embody that synergist capacity 
And the third mm. thing is a shift from developmental mm. coaching to transformative coaching, which is quite a different take. Stelter wrote a really good book on third generation coaching, and it's about having more of a dialogue rather than the Carl Rogers thing where the person has all their own resources. No, the coach brings resources too and shares them in the dialogue to stretch the minds of the coachee, if you like. So I think those three things, enterprise, shadow and transformative coaching, shift the needle. Antoinette, you mentioned stages and you mentioned things like synergist and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Let's just start off ground floor a little bit. Um, we've, we've covered this off in previous podcasts, but I'd love to get your perspective because the words do change depending on who you talk to. Um, but perhaps maybe we talk about the different person perspectives we're actually speaking about and kind of the stages people shift through in their development. Yeah, okay, I'd love to do that. I'd love to do it from first from a person perspective too. Because one of the key things in the stages that um, yeah, great. are overlooked yeah, overlooked by, well, Torbert doesn't really get into it, although Suzanne Reuter set it up and Terry O'Fallon has continued it on, where the, first, the, the person perspectives are two stages in each perspective. So first person perspective includes opportunist, mm-hmm. and you think about first person in sentence grammar, that's I, so it's all about me. That's the opportunist. Then you mm-hmm. go, that's a second person perspective. You go into um, you, so that's the conformist. And you includes, it involves giving your authority away to someone else. Your parents, your teachers, your bankers, anybody, your priests even. Anybody, third person is it. It's the objective. And we're going after money, profits, work, quality, customers. It's all external to us. And then the key Mm -hmm. shift right now is to the fourth person perspective because that's the first person plural, which is we. So this is the big shift from it to me to we, often called me to we, because me is still operating as a primary individualist and achievist, to we in the fourth person perspective. Um, The fourth person perspective includes, the third person goes to specialist and achievist, and the fourth person is catalyst and synergist, um, which is your redefining and transforming, um, mind type thing and it's the synergists we need to act effectively on the world today because a catalyst is aware and an earlier synergist is still aware but still doesn't know how to act because they don't know what to do next and then when we go to the fifth person perspective we're going into the meta-warfare which is awareness of awareness um, into the alchemist zone. So Antoinette we've spoken a little bit so far about stages, like I said, we've had Nick Petrie on, we've had Carl Sanders Edwards on, you know, there's multiple theorists with multiple approaches to this thing called vertical development. Some of them have five stages like Keegan, some of them have seven all the way up to 10 stages, depending on the theorist that you're dealing with. Um, What I'd like to do is, you know, just get your stage shift model. Like how many stages do you have? What are those stages called? And what are the kind of primary facets of each one of those stages? And then more importantly, what's, what are the key important things to shift from one stage to another? Because I think, you know, the, the whole premise of your approach is that shift moving from one stage to the next. And how do we do that a little bit quicker possibly? So I'd love to get a an insight into your model and the stages and, you know, what you've also backed off the back of to get your model as well. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the model that stage shift uses, and that's yet the reason for the word stage shift, because we're shifting through the stages. It's, it's a, you can actually map all these different, well, I've mapped all these different theorists in a congruent model. They actually are all saying the same thing from different lenses. 
Mm. So I, I just see I, you can you know map the whole, and the stages are congruent. It's not that there are different stages and different models; they're just called different terms and seen from a slightly different lens. So um, what Stage Shift did was take a really holistic approach. So we included the cognitive, the emotional, the action orientation, and the spiritual to bring a more holistic approach to the whole thing rather than a more purely cognitive lens, which I see happening with including the action logics actually, as well as Keegan's approach is very much more mental dexterity and transcending complexity, rather than focusing on the holistic capacity of the leader. So we've taken a more holistic approach. I always find that quite interesting um, about Keegan's I model is that it only has five stages. And I find depending on the people you work with, you get to the limit of that model very quickly. Like a lot of the people that I work with are, you know, what you would call catalyst or co-creator and beyond. And Keegan doesn't really have a, he's kind of lumped those later five stages into kind of one stage and I actually don't find it overly helpful. I find it quite restricting in the end that you kind of hit this ceiling and there's kind of nowhere to go after that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he does. He doesn't integrate spiritual and that's the whole meta where to you. He does. He, he stops there. Um, because he's got a really strong Piaget construction of the mind focus and the construction of the mind completes itself transforming and then the mind becomes the instrument to our consciousness so mm -hmm. keegan hasn't gone that way he's, he's an over his head as well um, in terms of you know the consciousness which Goethe and terry fallon have really brought into the party so let's let's start off on the ground floor and go up through some of those mind areas and take us through i guess uh i don't know let's start a, an idiot's guide to this like <laughs> what what is you know, that's good yeah so yeah. Look, the way i start to make it really simple for people and then i'll add a complexity because you guys sure. will enjoy this complexity later fantastic um be good to talk about it is, is to really talk use suzanne cook goiters she has person perspectives first second third fourth fifth sixth and Terry O'Fallon incorporates those as well. But Suzanne Cook-Goyder had a very complex way of explaining these perspectives, but I keep it really simple because I use sentence construction, sentence grammar, first, second, third person, and fourth of six. Are you really your first, second, third plural? So it makes it really easy. So first person is just simply all about I. And the stage we use there is um, conformer, impulsive versus conformist. So there's two stages in every person perspective. Um, and that's all about me. Yep, opportunist, all about me. Then mm -hmm. we got a second person perspective, which is all about you. It's the second person. And this is where the conformist, the rule-based person and the conformist gives away their authority to parents, teachers, etc., because they're still a child, they're still a teenager, they're still learning. So they need to respect and use the authority of others to understand how to make their way in the world. So it's all good. The problem is if you stay that way, right? But mm -hmm. as a child and as a teenager, it's a very natural way of growing. Then you shift into the subtle tier and the third person perspective. And that's all about it, because the third person is it, it's objective. So we go after our work, profits, results, customers, everything is it in the outer world. Um, and that's your specialist to achievers. Again, a really important um, transition of development in that early third person perspective. It's very individually orientated. And then we shift to the fourth person perspective, which is first person plural, and that's we. And this is why people talk about the big shift we're going on in the world right now from me to we, because at we, we're starting to focus on us as a community and to learn about each other in order to learn about ourselves and understand how we need to care for each other with an open heart to create this community. 
And that's for me the catalyst and synergist. And this is where we're running out in the world because we've got we've got catalysts growing at, at about 10% a decade, which is great. But synergists are sort of stalled at 1% a decade, which is not so great. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, you get a fifth person perspective, which is you plural, because now from the fifth person, we're starting to look at the world as you, as an mm -hmm. object, mm -hmm. yeah, from an alchemist point of view. We're starting mm -hmm. to look at the whole and starting to engineer and re-engineer the whole in order for it to evolve. And then sixth person perspective is it again, but then that's the whole cosmos, the whole planet, the whole thing mm -hmm. is an object. So that's our consciousness that we use at later stages to enable us to do that. Mm. That's fantastic. And I think what would be really valuable for people is to kind of understand the, the temporal or the timeframes that go with each of those stages. Obviously, when you're sort of at the bottom, it's kind of what's in your awareness directly, momentarily, all the way up to that six-person perspective where you're looking at intergenerational kind of legacies that span over you know, long periods of time. And as you move through the stages, the considerations also expand from, you know, what's what's really apparent to me right now and in activity right now, all the way to what has been, what is and what will be and context across time as well. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It's, it sort of sounds almost a little bit magical at the end there, but at the beginning, you know, it's just it's just a moment by moment as a baby. And then a second person perspective, that's why we have school terms. I mean, suddenly school holidays arrive, right? And we're in school holidays. It's really day by day, week by week. We don't think too much ahead at all. Mm -hmm. so it's like, what have we got on today? Or what, what term paper do we have to hand in next week? Um, that sort of thing. And then we go into third person perspective. We're actually going into the three year horizon. Okay. Now, I, I do invite people at achievers at mature third to move into fifth if they can what, what would it be in five years time because it just shifts their linear thinking to something that's more expansive you know what could it be rather than the incremental thing that they generally think on and then a fourth person perspective we're starting to look at decades and it's really interesting here because often I mean the age at which we could be moving into fourth person perspective is when we have kids so suddenly we are looking at our us raising a family so it's it's you know we can start to look at grandparents our, our family and our kids that are coming along and in terms of over a whole you know two or three generations and then when we shift to fifth, fifth person perspective then it's your, your seventh generation which is sort of like the magical number of moving through as you know a, a sort of a social phase or phenomenon um, and then at sixth six people tell me they see multiple civilizations and it's not from a um, any sort of intellectual understanding. It's from a consciousness understanding of seeing how the world keeps evolving over and over and over again. You know, and you see the patterns, and you start to see the national shadows of countries as a result of their long-term civilization. So look at Brexit. I mean, Brexit and France and Ireland have been fighting forever. Germany as well, and they are again. You know, England says, no, I'm the mightiest, so I'm leaving and I'm going to do my own thing. But it's actually the beginning of the end for them. But, you know, it's it's just another pattern, another another repeating pattern. Mm. Yeah, so so that you're, um, Antoinette, you're a, you're a master executive coach. And and so you, you're speaking with high performing executives, you know, on a on a on a regular basis. What, what are you seeing work in terms of expanding the horizons of these executives to get them to think, I guess, either more abstractly, more strategically, more innovatively out beyond particularly their, their current planning horizon? 
Okay. Well, I'd like to I'd like to share what I've recently realized with this because sure. I've, I've and and I'd like to invite you guys to then also you know share your experience in relation to it because right. I've received a bit of criticism around around um, advocating the speed with which stage shift realizes results, realizes outcomes, realizes okay. stage shifts because you know people can shift one stage in one year easily and twenty percent of people shift two stages in a year. And I get criticism saying, well, you know, you're pushing people, you're driving people. It's not, it's not respectful. It's not honoring the person. And I thought, well, I don't do that. So what is it that's going on here? And I realized we actually just go deeper. We, um, we deepen the conversation from complexity and capacity to consciousness, to deepen a person's understanding of who they are and who they are becoming and inviting that to come forth from a deeper place and that what is what i think enables um the, the consciousness i think is the source of transcending the complexity to enable the mind to do things so by working deeper at the source of things the automated function in the mind that actually enables us to transcend the complexity becomes part of the person's way of being so we're not working at this at the mindful level even though it's included it's incorporated we're working more at the consciousness level and then I realized just a minute ago, I was writing down speed and I thought, well, deeper is speed in the reverse. So it makes sense, doesn't it? Mm. That's, that's <laughs> absolutely right. So give us an example. Like, what does that look like when you're, when you're coaching an executive? What does deeper look like? I think it's deeper shadow. And I mean, we have a, a three-part strategy for holistic leadership development. And I call it cultivating the self, which is a lot of people do that. And then shadow resolution. But I say healing shadow. It's not just resolving shadow, it's healing shadow. So you're eliminating triggers at source mm -hmm. and embodying spirit. So cultivating the self, healing shadow and embodying spirit. You see, healing shadow goes beyond emotional intelligence. Mm. So I think, I would it, could you just give a description of what shadow is? Like, obviously for mm -hmm. yourself, myself and Dave, we, we, we know about it, we use it, we understand it quite, but there's quite a lot of people when you mention the word shadow, they really kind of glaze over and go, I don't, I don't know really what you mean, mm. um, especially when it comes to stages and being at a stage and what the shadow is and what exactly is that? I think people would be really helpful to get a brief, at least understanding of what that is and what it looks like and how it shows up. Okay. Well, the way I summarize shadows, it's, it's any emotional triggers. It's any transference, which is criticism of other people. Um, and it's any throwaway lines. It also shows your underlying subconscious beliefs that sort of sit at the end of your sentences. And, and when you understand all those things are part of your shadow, part of things you've adopted or um, had pain, painful experiences from the past that you've suppressed, then every time any sort of the same psychodynamic appears, you'll be triggered. And so that's highlighting your shadow. And, and in our emotional intelligence um, stuff, which, which Goldman did beautifully in terms of bringing it to where it's currently at, it's, it suggests we regulate those emotions and um, meditate and be calm and be mindful and start, you know, repress what's going on. But actually, I invite people to open up to the drama to actually love the drama to embrace the drama as it's customized designed to enable us to heal shadow to actually eliminate the triggers at source by healing past events mm. and that's such an important part of developing into fourth person perspective to synergist that if it's not done you can't go there because you're still carrying around all this stuff from the past yeah yep 
So one of the things we spoke with, um, I think a couple of, of guests we've had on in the past is the fact that um, typically um, we find we're, we're certainly Pete and I are talking to organizations and teams and people who are sitting at that achiever expert stage, because naturally that's where, you know, centers of gravity generally lie. Um, and, and so to be introduced to this model of thinking at the achiever stage tells uh, an achiever only one thing, which is level up, level up, level up. Um, uh, or you're not at the top yet. <laughs> so, so um, I, I guess, you know, let's, let's, I guess, venture forth into fourth person perspective and, and try and understand that a little more because um, I, I'm interested in what you say when you, when you um, mentioned shadow work and going into that fourth person perspective and being in that stage where you are actually starting to ask some of those questions and transforming some of the ways you think. What kind of work do you typically see people doing on themselves in terms of that um, either shadow work or, or even just self-growth? Well, just, I want to pick up a point earlier that you made in terms of, because one of the big questions is bringing achievers, because I think for specialist shadow workers is a bit early. They need to have an, an achieving framework around them to enable them to move from specialist to achievers, because mm -hmm. otherwise it's too early for them. Yep. But for achievers, for achievers, I think the the... A lot of people say, but you can't shift achievers to fourth person's perspective because they're on their high horse and they know what they're doing and all that sort of stuff. I think, well, you can. Um, I think when you start to introduce the concept of the heart. So one of the things we've done at Stage Shift is we've lined up the human faculties and how they um, emerge with the stages and then how they flourish. And when an achievist realizes that the heart is at the achievist, and at first they go after their heart's desires, but then they open their hearts to other people, they feel they see that as a normal way of them evolving. So, okay, yeah, I'd love to have better relationships. I'd love to care more for people. So for them, it's it's a freedom, it's a license. Um, and then the intuition opens up a catalyst, and your your mindfulness is pure at synergist. So we talk a lot about mindfulness, but we skip the heart stuff, which I think, again, is because we've got too much of a cognitive focus. I mean, do you guys work with heart and mind or how do, how do you play this game? Depends on the day um, <laughs> and the person and the stage. And I think that's one of the things about vertical development is you, one approach across all the stages is not necessarily the best. You have to have things that are strategically designed for each stage and you know, when I look at, at vertical development, it really is object relations. Like what, what, what are the things in your awareness that you pay attention to that are valuable to you based on the stage you're at and the value and meaning making you met? And which are the things that aren't in your awareness and you disregard? And mm -hmm. so then it becomes to me, depending on the stage is what are the things that are important to you? And that tells us a little bit about the stage you're probably at. And then what would be the things that would be important in the person's awareness at the next stage and how about we start focusing on those and disassociating or paying less attention to the things that are important to us at this particular stage so that's the way i i generally work with it but then it also comes into things you know that's dealing with the individual but then there's also the part of the organization you know with when you're dealing with vertical development with the person that's the fish as Aaron Dignan would say. And then there's also the organizational structures, which is the fish tank. And so both of those things play a, a very primary role in a capacity of a person to transcend their level and move. If the business is cons 
constricting them, then that's going to take a lot of energy to shift that because systems are large and mm. you know, they're big boats and they don't turn on a dime. They take a while to, mm. to turn around. So I'm, I'm always interested in whether you can do one without the other. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. David? Um, I, David. Ooh, I would, I would say that, that probably my two, like I come with it from two separate perspectives and the way I've helped others with it and probably journeyed through it myself in um in my own journey is is probably largely the same um so again probably leading with experience rather than you know kind of coming to cognition of what it actually is after the fact before um actually experiencing it first so um the first would be burnout and my my relationship with achieving 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 and then burning out and realizing there's more to this there's got to be more to this there has to be a better way to do this and actually being forced um, physiologically forced to take a different perspective and slow down. Um, so that was, that would be number one and being able to now, I guess, help and coach people in that space to understand that there's a slower way to go about things um, that doesn't have to burn so white hot all the time. Um, I still, <laughs> I say that now, but I still <laughs> comes with its own shadow. Um, and then the other one would actually be, um, uh, I guess meaningful relationships and marriages as well at work and, and actually working with leaders, you know, in particular, particularly with, um, with COVID and, and work from home, you know, I had a number of people come to me and say, how are you doing it? Not because I was any sort of shining example. It was more, oh my goodness, I just need every perspective I can get. I, I, I know where we need to go. I know what I need to do. I know what achievement looks like but I need to integrate this into my family life. Now I need to help it make meaning at home and I need to make this make, make work. And, and I don't want to let go of the achievement, but I need to find a way to integrate it in a new way. And that was a weird one to come across, but certainly in more recent times has been something that's been a really meaningful conversation to actually start to broach. Um, I, I guess, uh, like you said, it, you're integrating more than just the cognitive. Now you're integrating heart. And where does heart come into your, your conversations at home and at work? And where, does, where do you put your priorities and how do you have that conversation? I think that, you know, certainly the way you put words around that heart piece, I think really resonated with me for sure. And I think the other thing is the body as well. It's more than just a transport vehicle for your head to meetings. So I think, <laughs> you know, there's, yep. that's really important is that mm. kind of like the cognitive, the heart and the body as well. And how mm. do you get synchronization between those three components? Mm. And, then, yeah, and you know, like what you're saying, and the heart is essential to heal shadow. And then I've got this thing about embodying spirit. And I think that's what enables people in the fourth person perspective to move into flow. Because I've got this little thing that I use at Stage Shift as well that I uh, had for, for, for decades, actually, you know, from work to play, grow to flow, calm to care and free to love with joy. And those are just expressions of each of the stages as you move through. And flow is your early fourth person. So in your third person perspective, you're still seeing things that are objective. And this goes with Keegan's thing too. Subject object works really well at that level. Mm. But moving into flow means we're, we're, we're becoming part of the change that's happening in the world. We're actually starting to align with consciousness, with our own awareness. Mm. And so become more authentic, but still be respectful. So starting to work out how to shift into flow by realizing the world's not against us. It's not just us doing stuff all the time. It's about who we're becoming. 
yeah. as a whole person. And then in the fifth person perspective, we've, we've, we've moved to being. But doing to becoming to being is, is, is a really, and I focus on the becoming, you see, that the stage shift really works on the holistic of the person and the strategic of the organisation, hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I feel that's probably an interesting thing where you mentioned, Keegan, about subject-object. At that level, it's kind of the, the merging of subject-object into this flow. So you, you're getting a merging of the polarities becoming sort of a third way to move forward. Yeah, yeah, precisely. That's yeah. fantastic. A lot to ponder on in there, that one. There is, I tell you what. Um, so, Antoinette, tell us about... Um, I guess some of your passions at the moment, what are you working on directly at the moment? Well, in the last three years, we've been building a stage shift coaching community. So um, I've been refining and refining and refining um, each year the stage of coaching certification. And now I've got coaches in about 16 different countries. And it sort of just emerged really through following speaking at presentations and things. People said, okay, we want to know more. And I thought, okay, workshops. And then, okay, now we've got a certification program. Yep. But now we've got the scale to of, of you know, all the coaches are synergist to alchemists. So we've got the scale to lead global transformations across Europe and ideally, you know, whole global companies. Um, so this is right. the current endeavor, and this is the this is what we're currently and why I'm staying in Europe, because there seems to be a lot of appetite here. Um, so in conversation with you know different executives to look at what we can do um, in collaboration to create a more you know, thriving, sustainable organisation. And then what really needs to happen is a more flourishing ecosystem. So really starting to work with their external stakeholders and community as well to, to shift the world, you know, overcome Booker and shift into this new way of being. Yeah. Where are you seeing the demand come from in the organisations, in the executives you're working for? What's, what's driving their interest and, and what's piquing their curiosity? Um. I think COVID has made a huge difference in terms of driving mm-hmm. their interest. So I think there's definitely a more an interest in vertical now. There's a realization that yes, we need it. And, and then there's still a lot of misunderstanding of what vertical is and what some leadership programs say, you know, we're horizontal and vertical. And I'm thinking, well, if you're vertical, you're automatically horizontal. But if you're horizontal, you're certainly not automatically vertical. So there's a lot of, you know, miscomprehension of it too. Um, you know, and, and Nick Petri talks about range. And I sort of think, yeah, you can have a range, but at the same time, if you're a human, so I have a really human, human-centric, person-centric approach. Mm. So I, I don't have an organizational-centric approach. I have a human-centric approach. And I say the, the organization is the vehicle for us as people to live meaningful lives. So let's, as an organization, become that vehicle. Mm-hmm. So that, that what's people-centric. And I think once you've um, adopted and embodied, for instance, a mature synergist, you, you can't operate as achievers anymore because it simply feels unethical. You know, so absolutely, yeah, you agree? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that that one, and I, again, it's the subject-object thing. Like as soon as looking back on the previous stage, you're starting to go, oh, hang on a minute, I couldn't go back there. I think um, getting to the stage, though, and certainly what I've had even just in in recent experiences this week, being able to paint a picture and sort of feel like I'm getting better at this every week, but being able to paint a picture to a client that actually know it's when all of them collapse and they all become important to you and they all become a part of your story, that that actually becomes a real unlock 
for everyone and you can actually start operating at a principles level rather than down at the kind of the, the first person. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the achievers still have that achiever orientation, right? Mm. So they, they want, they want it. <laughs> yeah. Is there, is there something like, I'm, I'm aware, like we're, we're, we're talking very, A, philosophically and B, theoretically, is there a good example of that you can share with listeners that, that might, sort of land this or ground this a little more just a an example of a of a particular um mentee or coachee or some or or an organization you've worked with that that you could potentially talk us through what that looks like in practice and how they've developed and what the difference is Um, yeah yeah i can the um it's interesting. The, the the we have whole lot of stage shift frameworks and things, which they're, they're all in my book, by the way. If anybody wants to understand them better, they're all, all in the executive coaching, strategic holistic leadership. Um, I'll pop a but, link into the show notes of that, where people can go and grab a copy of that. Yes, yeah. So so rather than dive into the detail, because that's all in the book. The the interesting thing is, I I found for people, um, okay, this is for achievists, right? And like they've got 90, 90% of their profile are cheapest. And they've shifted to synergist in one year. And the way they've done that is it's because they've been ready, like it's been a lot of latent potentials just been sitting there. And suddenly they have a connection and it opens up and it's there. Um, but by enabling, so one of the secrets is enabling them to actually operate on their organization simultaneously as themselves. Mm. Embedding so they, the development in the work. Absolutely. Yeah, imagine Absolutely. that. Yeah. Forget, forget about these off-site programs where you just yeah. here for a couple of weeks and come back to work. Honestly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So Preaching to the converted. Huge. Yeah. Absolutely. And do you know what I, I've realized about a year ago or even this time ago? That to become a fully embodied synergist, unless you've actually done the transformation in an organization or some sort of collective, you can't embody it because you haven't done it. Mm. Mm. You know, you actually have to do it. So it's no point having consultants coming in and transforming the organization because the leaders are still just sitting there. They actually have to be agents in that transformation. And that simultaneously enables them to really embody synergists. And very few people realize that. Mm. So, you know, I'm glad you guys did too and see the magic that's difficult. So we, again, thinking about it, from someone who is in a leadership position right now, they're kind of hearing us talking about stages and thinking, oh, which stage am I at or whatever. Um, yeah. what, 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 is, what are you expecting from an executive? Like if someone's got either in an executive position or thinking about a career, you know, up through the rungs, what, what are you expecting to see and how are you helping people get there? I don't quite know what you mean by what am I expecting to see. So what, what would be a typical stage that an executive sits at? Well, achievers. I would just say 80% of people are at achievers. Yep. And even though the, uh, the, the even 90%, because even though people are um, assessed as uh, catalyst or redefining or uh, individualist, that's just a growing edge. Mm-hmm. It's not an embodied leadership capacity. So the achievist, yeah, the achievist would be probably about the middle, halfway, up the total amount of stages that you can move through. Yeah, it, it would be in terms of like the absolute pinnacle of today being alchemist, for instance. I mean, yep. Ionis is a very, very, very rare. Um, so, so even if you're at redefining, your centre of gravity is still at 
achiever. So this is where I differ from Talbot in terms of saying where your center of gravity is. And it's really based on O'Fallon's research because of the end of court order, actually the two-step process, individuation, integration, individuation, integration. When you're individuating, it's not a center of gravity because you're in unfamiliar territory. You can't operate from there in mm. terms of leadership. You can operate there from there in terms of developing your own awareness, but not leading others. So your leadership capacity remains at achiever. So the big deal is moving from achievers to synergists. So for me, that's what my invitation is to every organization I go to, to say we need your top 200 leaders to all be at synergist, because that will enable you as an organization to overcome Booker and move through into the new and flourishing world. Mm-hmm. And people seem to like that message, but then it's a big deal for them, right? Because suddenly they're saying, okay, we're all going to go there. Mm. wow you know this is all a bit much um now that's really good yeah. i really like the way you put i don't know that i've answered your question no I, th- I think even just reflecting on um i guess you know w- w- when you're approaching a stage as an individual versus integrating the stage into um into a broader perspective like un- understanding like I think about it from the perspective of of managers and leaders that I know and recognizing that you can't lead in a capacity you're currently finding out about. That's you, right. You need to yeah, transcend your own awareness of that stage to be able to lead from that stage. You need to be able to lead That's yourself right. before you can lead others. Yeah, lead others, yeah. I think. So it's, yeah. it's all well and good to sit in achiever land and say, I'm really good at running a high-performing team and then start to explore the heart values and bring heart values back to your team. But it's not until you've transcended what the heart values mean to achieving that you'll be able to actually lead from the heart and build a truly high performing team that wear their heart on their sleeves for you and psychologically safe when they come to work. Mm -hmm. Just saying this is a psychologically (laughs) safe team or that this is a place you can come to work and bring your whole self isn't enough yeah. to lead from that space. Absolutely. You've got to do the work in yourself first. Yeah. Would that be a fair way to characterize Absolutely. it? I, I agree with you 100%. And, and I think it's only a synergist that can really hold psychologically safe space because they're, they're prepared to whistle blow in the moment. Yep. And, and one of the ways we help organizations from a practical point of view do this is we'll facilitate their culture meetings once a month. Most organizations don't even have culture meetings, mm. whereas we engineer values-based culture meetings once a month that get cascaded down through the organization Mm -hmm. and we facilitate those at first because the leaders can't yet hold those meetings they can't Mm -hmm. yet hold the psychological safe space for the vulnerability that comes into are we living our values or not Mm -hmm. which really is very evolution you know it's very um deliberately developmental if you like Mm -hmm. so you know and after a while they can because they end up embodying what's going on yeah, it's really interesting you mentioned the whistleblowing in the moment piece because it's something that that really wraps words around um, some of my own lived experience. Like I know I know probably half a dozen CEOs who would all be leading from that heart space and trying to build an organization that is really well integrated, but they're so nice. They walk past stuff and they don't call it in the moment. And you sit there and you go, you missed an oppo- you missed a huge coaching opportunity that was corporate coaching. It wasn't an individual coaching moment. The whole team would have seen that happen and that would have formed and galvanized without necessarily picking on anyone or demeaning anyone. Where, yeah, it, 
It's a really but, good but they point. don't know how, Dave. Mm. They they actually don't know how. So one, I mean, one of our most um, common interventions is something called a courageous caring conversation, mm -hmm. which is different from critical, different from constructive. It's it's just it's a way of presencing and with courage and with great care. Um, what the truth is of what's going on. And we spend a lot of time helping to script these conversations with executives because it, it pierces a new way of presencing mm. that they're not yet familiar with. And we have a technique. Stateship has lots of techniques because when you've got a technique, you can draw on it often and you start to practice it. And after a while, you become, you know, you get to master it. Mm. But really, the technique is a liberating one, if you know what I mean. It's not do it this way. It's a framework within which the content is installed. So it's very much, you know, a synergist liberating framework, not an achievers technique of this is how you go about it. Yeah. But, but they yeah. don't know how. Basically, mm. the bottom line is people do not know how to graciously, courageously speak up in the moment that holds psychologically safe space for people while whistleblowing. It's interesting you say that. I've actually broken psychological safety down into three stages that kind of goes each stage covers about three of the developmental stages because you know everyone goes through the first phase where you know you can't you can't say anything and everyone sort of just keeps everything nice and, mm -hmm. and happy and then we kind of move through those stages to the final stage where it's kind of like well no that's where you that kind of radical candor stage where you can actually give people quite direct feedback but it's coming from a caring place of actually servicing them as an individual as opposed to, you know, people, and then you, I just, psychological safety is one of those words at the moment where people use it all the time, but I very rarely see it. People translate it at their stage and it generally becomes, oh, we're all nice to each other. Well, that's actually not, not what it's about. It's actually about being quite direct and caring, but to be really genuinely psychologically safe, you have to be able to say that and then not have any repercussions from it. And that's the part when other people in the team can't own their shadow, they they bear grudges when they get given feedback. And so you don't actually have psychological safety. You have the the buzzword around it and the, the fake safety that I call it. When, when it, a really big shift for me in this space was, um, uh, you know, when you read a book and you get to a certain chapter and you have to put the whole book down and walk away for like two weeks and just chew. Right. So, so for me, I, I'm, I'm creative by nature. I'm quite open. Um, and so I'm good in the abstract, right? And so working with approximations and being imprecise is where I'm at my best because I'm a, I'm, I'm a foresights kind of guy. I like to look into the future and play with unabsolutes and mess with stuff that doesn't quite fit yet. Um, and what I found was when it was coming to having direct conversations, I was absolute and I, I i remember reading the jordan peterson book and getting to the be precise in your speech chapter and it threw me for six like i put the book down i went for a walk i had to chew the whole thing over and came back and was like i am so imprecise it's not helping i am i am a i am a blunt stick that hits people over the head and it's not helpful i need to be surgical and careful and so it, it fun like fundamentally changed my life, fundamentally changed my life to go from, okay, I'm good in the abstract, but to be good in this moment, I need to get down and be very specific about what we're talking about. And I need to be that happened because, 
and that happened because, and these are the details that matter and here's why. And that's what that made this room feel like and being really almost surgical about what you're describing fundamentally changed how teams related to me, how I could lead in a team environment, but also just the dynamic. All of a sudden I could be direct in a way that wasn't, it almost, it didn't come across careless because it wasn't a bludgeon, like, you know, throwing hyperbolic statements at the room and telling them they're, they're awful. It was, it was, this is not happening. And I think it's because of X, Y, Z. Tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. Well, and, this is happening. Yeah. yeah. We have a, a formula called um, um, TIP, Truth Implications Point. Mm. And, and the you know, and there's, there's an early fourth of psychological safety where we're sharing stuff with each other to, to whistle blow. And then this later stage fourth person inquiry where it's mutually collaborative to appreciate each other's shadow and how we're each involved in this mess we're in, the complex mm. adaptive system of the team. Mm. So the, the, the truth implications point is, is really from a really mature synergist, if not later stage, because the truth is, is, is the underlying truth of what, of what, is, what is the source of the manifestation mm. and the implications, what, how it's affecting us and corporate reputation and team dynamics and everything else down the road. And then the point, we've got to have a turning point. So there's no point sharing without shifting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, so, but, but executives, I mean, as you said, they, they need, it's, it's scripting the stuff mm. to enable yeah. it to, to, to land beautifully. Mm. And this is where the holding space comes into play too with the caring. It's actually saying we're all doing this together. This is not you or me or whatever. This is us. Mm. Yeah. It's almost the scripting comes down to, you know, if, you, if you're going to learn any kind of skill or skill development and, you know, all of these things, even though they're interpersonal and emotional, there's still skill development that you, you know, deploy in an organizational context. And I always say to people, it's, it's, it's great to be able to, you know, free flow and play jazz and all of that, but you still need to learn your scales. And so how do we teach you to learn the rules so then you can break the rules? And so give you, you know, those, those fundamentals are really important. And especially in stage development as well, because if you don't, you know, you would know this as each stage is built on the foundation of the previous, if you move through a stage or you don't integrate it or you split something off, it comes back to bite you in the backside later on further up the stage. And because your awareness is bigger, your shadow is bigger because you amplify because the, the bigger perspective amplifies that shadow at the same time. So it's really important to make sure that, and I always say this to people and, you know, depending on your male or female or whether your personality preference one way or another, you know, on, in any of the personality assessments, some people spend longer in certain stages than others. And that has a lot to do, a lot, I think, with, you know, male agency and communion and the fact that the stages are generally have a, a collective or individual kind of focus on them as well. That some people will move through and get stuck at certain stages for a lot longer. And then some people will go through a stage and they'll do just enough in that stage to make it through to the next stage, but they probably should have spent a little bit longer. So they kind of rush through do a sort of male test pilot approach to it and get through it as fast as they can. And then some other people really find stages that they like, it feels like home and they just want to sit in it like a hot bath forever. And so trying to get people to realize when that's happening. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I actually wouldn't categorize it as skill building. I'd categorize it as awareness expansion. Yep. Because the, the skill of speaking or communicating is already present. 
but knowing what to say and how to say it, mm. that's awareness expanding. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah the, yeah. the the mantra I was given five, six years ago was transcend and include. And it's something that's interesting. I've shared it with other people and they've come back to me after me. What was that thing you what was that thing you said in that meeting again? What is that? And it's it is, it's an awareness expansion. It's to say, transcend your awareness of the situation to a higher level but include it with you as you go up so that you're not just looking at this from a bird's eye view. You're in the moment and looking at the moment at the same time and trying to understand how that, how that relates to the number of perspectives based on whatever stage you're at. You're, you're constantly encouraging yourself to transcend the moment and include the perspectives that you're carrying with you at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I want to go back to you, Pete, to, to what you said a minute ago too about people staying in stages for a long time and people moving on. So I think I think at the integrated stages of achievers, for instance, and synergists, we, we love it there because it's a fulfilling time. We, we, we've we've done a journey, you know, we've we've matured in a certain perspective and feels great. So we've got you know all, all these people here are sitting at Catalyst. They don't know how to land at synergists, so they need coaches. They absolutely need later stage coaches to help them um, to actually move through, because otherwise they're just stalled. They're just sitting there drifting, wondering what's going on in the world. Um, and then what else did I want to say? Then the, the, the shadow unveils at first, second and third person perspectives, right? So even though you're building on the strengths, transcend and include, you actually have to keep going back to excavate Mm. What you haven't integrated earlier on, which you couldn't integrate earlier on because you're only a child and a teenager or, you know, in your 20s. So you've you got to excavate to come back and mature. Yeah. Um, I remember Ken Wilber it, describing it, saying that it, if it takes you $100, $100 to get to the, the last stage of development and as you go through your life, you're dropping money on the floor and then you can only get so far until you have to go back and pick it up because you have to go back and circle around and grab that capacity in order to sort of progress to the next stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for me, yeah, that's shadow healing. So we do all that shadow healing on a personal level at fourth and then we do collective shadow healing and ancestral shadow healing at fifth. Oh, wow. So it just upshifts the game. Yeah. Have, have you done much work in the uh, looking at shadow space in, in a collective rather than an individual sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, organisations, national cultures, yep. ancestral. I mean, I spent my, my year in the Netherlands last year really doing ancestral shadow work. I, you know, had, had lots of stories and things to go back generations because I don't know if you've read Mark Willen's work on It Didn't Start With You, but some of, the, some of our triggers and traumas relate to past generations and we've mm. just simply brought them into being mm. and that happened to us and and most people don't have a clue what to do with it because they've got no cognitive understanding of where it came from mm. but if you go back a few generations you can discover it and you can heal it so yeah i think we yeah, have a we have a lot of that in australia with the whole um aboriginal heritage and when yeah, there's, there's lots of shadow around from both parties to be honest and you know always got to be careful when you talk about this one because when as soon as you mention it at least half the people in the room hate you but um i think australia is one that's very renowned for holding holding that that shadow both from both perspectives both you know the native aboriginals and and the people that in sort of yeah. by way of force inherited the country mm. yeah, it is and all all countries do you know all countries do 
even though New Zealand looks like it's because I come from New Zealand, um, even though but I've lived most of my life in Australia, I should say, and but now I'm in, I've been up and down to Europe two or three mm-hmm. times through my lifetime, every decade or so, because um, my parents are Dutch, which is all for the ancestral setup. Um, <laughs> so Australia has has got that you know that early convict. Um, that um, mentality of, of really driving and moving things forward and almost taking things away from people and and you know but in New Zealand even though they've integrated multiracial society there's still a huge amount of abuse and poverty etc because you know the Maori people and the, you know particularly were warriors and the Pacific Island people were very much community social based so mm. there's, there's there's in every single country and you go around Europe it's the same thing there are legacy issues that keep on repeating until we have synergist leaders as politicians who start to think about the whole thing as a whole. I'd say Jacinda Ardern's a bit further down the track than Scott Morrison um, doing doing well in that regard, but yeah. Mm. And I think that's like, I even think about that reflecting on on experiences here in Australia as well. Like um, it, it speaks to the fact that shadow is always like hard to find as well until you until you until someone shows it to you sometimes or until you you discover it through your own your own journey or whatever but it's certainly something that i've worked with teams in the past that that have existed for the pure benefit of corporate social responsibility and uncovered that all of them are white colonialists at the heart and they don't they don't even know it you know and until you kind of hold up the sign and be like guys we're all yeah, here to make sure that our way is the way. That's white and colonial at its very bedrock. We need to shift our perspective. And they go, oh, my goodness, I just, I had no idea. I had no idea that that was the approach we were taking because that shadow was so well hidden under the guise of achieving corporate social responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's amazing that, that kind of like how hidden some of those shadows can stay from people yeah. in, you know, if they're not careful or if they don't stop. And I guess to your point, leave the cognitive behind for a second and go and do the work at the consciousness level or go and do the work at the history and the heritage level and actually understand where you came from and start to integrate some of those stories into yourself as well. Yeah. And the stuff you're talking about there, Dave, that's, that becomes a preoccupation during fifth-person perspective. Mm. Yeah. So that stuff isn't going to come up for healing until we're a bit further down the track. Mm. And if I look at Boris Johnson, for instance, he's early third, and he is seriously um, containing the democratization of Britain right now with mm. law, by passing mm. laws, you know, in terms of people aren't allowed to go out in the street and have a movement um, in case they disrupt other people on the streets, mm. which means the police can come and close down a movement. They've changed the law in terms of appeals to, you know, laws that they promulgate. It's really an early third elitist perspective that is institutionally supported by the political system that put him there in the first place. Mm. So really, this is I, I find the institutions behind also American politics. They're actually holding the whole country to ransom because mm. they're funding the political contenders mm. who come through as potential presidents. Mm. So in, in your perspective then, as we kind of recognize we're kind of running out of time, um, in your perspective, how would you like to see, how would you like to see leaders um, 
How would you like to see organizations and, and particularly even maybe political climates consider leaders in that light? Like, should we be looking for different things in leaders? Are we looking for the wrong hallmarks? Are we getting the wrong people in? Or are we getting the right people in but not develop, developing them fast enough? What's, what's your take on the current climate? Um, in terms of what I would like to see more leaders in the world doing today mm. is investing in vertical development. Now, there aren't enough vertical development people offering services to cover the market. So really, it's to find whichever vertical development service provider or partner, actually, I would say partner because of their later stage capacity to partner with them, mm -hmm. um, whichever, whoever resonates with them to start to really invest in shifting things along. And if it's not working and not realizing the outcomes, because I think if you go pure cognitive, you don't realize the outcomes. You've mm -hmm. got to move into that holistic consciousness somehow or other. You've mm -hmm. got to blend strategic enterprise and with us as well. You've got the reinventing organizations by Lalu behind you. We've got to go to green and teal, yep. you know, yep. simultaneously. Yep. But I would suggest just move forward and work with some people, partner with some people who have a consciousness capacity that, you know, is potentially more expansive than yours and therefore can open up that expansive space for everyone to gain more ideas and insights. So I think as coaches, we need to step up as partners to businesses and businesses need to step up and say, yep, we need to make a shift. Um, let's, let's find a way. Yeah. I think the difficult thing that I've always experienced is that when you're all the things that you've just said, and I've always found when you're trying to talk at more than two stages ahead of the individuals or the organization in itself, like you're just talking about something, you might as well be speaking French because they're just like, you're talking about what, doing what, when, how, that's just ridiculous. Like no one does that. And mm. it's just, it's quite interesting, but I, as personally as a practitioner, it's also quite frustrating to, to see that we're still there. Like, like people are still especially at executive levels this you know, people have a lot on the line and there is a, a fear of looking silly. And so people, yeah. you know, want to protect that thing that they've worked really hard for. And I totally get that. Um, but there's also a reluctance to, I'm not willing to go there until I'm as good at that as I am at this, which is kind of missing the whole point to a degree. And you've, you've got to have that kind yeah. of leap of faith. Well, I agree, because it's the zero risk you want to do with, with executives. And I think that's where, um, you see, the state shift, I mean, we offer proven processes, proven techniques, because I used to work with them when I led transformations, you know, 10 years ago. So it, they, 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 they're proven. People engagement goes up 30% in six months. Leadership effectiveness goes up 20%. Mm. But, you know, business revenues go up. So therefore, so, you know, we'll use these techniques because they're proven frameworks. So we can't just coach the person. We also have to provide the strategic scaffolding for them, which, uh, which is not changing things either, by the way. It's not change management. It's building on top of another level of strategic mm -hmm. scaffolding and outside the current organisation to create space for growth. So we actually work with executives to do that using proven ways that work and very simple ways to enable them the opportunity for growth. Mm. So you can't just coach the person and expect them to know. I, I, I've been thinking this thing through for a while and um, you know how we've got this knowing doing gap, right? Mm -hmm. People know what to do, but they don't do it, which is points to your zero career risk that you mentioned a minute ago. Mm. But actually, now we've got a seeing, knowing, doing, being gap, because we can see that we need to shift. We can see climate change. We can see COVID. We can see 
financial disruption, we can see social unrest, but we actually don't know what to do and therefore mm. not doing anything and therefore not being more. Mm. So it's the, the issue right now is from seeing to knowing. Mm. So therefore just coaching the person without also giving them some proven techniques so they know what to do with zero career risk, mm. then we can get shift. And I think that's also part of the speed of stage shift. We give them the frameworks. Mm. Yeah, so that's great. That, that, really, that really adds life to some of what you've said earlier around, um, I guess, um, tr transcending the VUCA environment and and being in a in a capacity to to respond to that well is is actually to to move from seeing to knowing what to do about it and 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 being able to actually turn that into action i think that that's a lot of what we're what what we're certainly a lot of what i'm seeing at the moment mm. is seeing it and having all the right intent but absolutely no know-how in what to do yeah. next mm. yeah I, absolutely I, th I think terry o'fallon put it down to four things and i'm going to dig into the gray matter here a little bit and i think she said <laughs> one was that you have to be receptive so you have to be open to perspectives other than your own you actually have to take action you have to be reciprocal with others to be able to exchange and you have to basically be able to own your own shit. Mm. And if you can do those four kind of core things that put you in pretty good stead to kind of balance the, balance the raft while you go to the next stage, while it's all a bit wobbly. Mm. It is interesting because I'm going to add another angle to that one because receptive is specialist, achievers is action, yep. catalyst is reciprocal, and then the and synergist then is interpenetrative. interpenetrative. Interpenetrative means self and life are the same. Whatever is turning up for you in life is a reflection of your conscious and subconscious self. So therefore, that's what the knowing your shit is. It's actually life is turning up for you, through you, to enable you to become whole. Yeah. Mm. I didn't want to use the word okay. interpenetrative because I'm going to go, the people are just going to write in the comment section. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> I just, it's life and self. Self and yep. life are interchangeable. Yep. Life is turning up as yourself. So if you want to change your life, change yourself. Become the change you want to see in the world. Yep. Excellent. There you Lovely. go. He did know something back then, <laughs> way back then, when he was leading that change. Oh, that's great. So we're coming up to the uh, the hour, which is usually what our podcasts go for, Antoinette. And I really so if people, all these things that we've spoken about today, the change, the stage shift, where can people go? to learn more about this, to take a course on this, to develop themselves or bring someone like yourself or someone else into their organization to help with this so-called shift. Thanks, Pete. Um, well, the first place to go to is the um, website, stageshift.coach. It's not .com, it's stageshift.coach. Yep. And cool. um, for individuals who are listening, we've got an introduction to stage shift vertical development starting in October. And that's just an introductory course. It runs two months, October to December. Um, but it gives a really, it includes the VHLP, which is our own vertical holistic leadership profile. That's mm -hmm. an automated, but it's quite sophisticated instrument to self-assess your own stage based on a 3D model of leadership capabilities. Awesome. Um, includes six levels of development, four lines of development, and five leads of development. So it's it's really, it's really quite cool. Um, so it includes that to enable someone to see what vertical development is all about, see where they are, and then see what they want to do next. And we um, have a stage. That's at a Sydney-friendly time, I imagine. Oh, it's, it's at 6 a.m. Sydney time. Oh, that's not, that's not too bad. That's not too bad. 
not too bad. It's 7 it's, it's, p.m. my time. So yeah, as long as it's not 2 a.m. in the morning, I think it'll be <laughs> yeah, fine. <exactly>. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, so at the end of our podcast, we always have our kind of power, what we call power questions. And it's if you could boil your de- your work you know, and I'm asking a lot here, I'm quite aware of that as it comes out of my mouth, if you could boil your approach down to three key things, what would those three key things be for people to focus on to get more into or shift themselves vertically? So I think, and I'll repeat them again, because I think I keep covering these and I'm realizing that this is the, the, the core of it all. And one is holistic. So it's holistic consciousness, it's mind, body, spirit, it's the whole heart thing, it's it's the whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, it's strategic, it's a strategic enterprise evolution. So actually building that into the organization. And thirdly, it's transformative coaching. So it's really giving regard to the capacity of a later stage coach to facilitate an expansive expanded space. Mm-hmm. And that requires transformative coaching, not developmental coaching, which is you know really moving coaching through to a new horizon. So I think those are the three things that for stage shift makes us effective in what we do. Excellent. And we always have a challenge for the people at home listening to the podcast. So if you could give people out there listening to this particular uh, episode, one challenge to go and practice. So something, we, you know, we talked about the knowing and the doing. If there was one thing out there now that they know a lot from this podcast, what would you have them or what would be their challenge that they could go and do? Um, could I offer you two things if I'm allowed? You can. Just, just, just to help. So I think one of them is to be really kind and respectful at all times so that their ripple effect in the world is nice and calm and pure and loving, basically. So to be as kind and respectful as they can possibly be at all times to reduce their ripple effect in the world or make it a more healing ripple effect. And the secondly thing is to that for them, for, if people could start to realize that every emotional trigger is designed to help them evolve. And if they could just explore why they were triggered and what triggered them and to work through different ways of resolving that within themselves and then healing it, they're no longer going to be triggered, which means you do live a more easier life over time once you've done all this personal shadow resolution work. The um, synergists have a calm, clear, open mind and they start to live with ease and grace because the triggers have disappeared. Mm. So that, that's the biggest thing you can do, I think, to create well-being in self. Include all the meditation, mindfulness and all that sort of stuff, but those are all temporary solutions. Mm, they don't agreed. go to the core of the person. Mm. Yeah? Yep. I invite people to start to love the drama in their lives. Learn yeah, it's quite interesting now. There's quite a lot of pub- papers being published now about you know, meditation as a form of escapism and bypassing and just, just because you meditate doesn't fix anything else. And in fact, a lot of the times it can actually make things worse, but that story doesn't get told in the media particularly well. Yeah, I've done a lot of meditation for a lot of years, so I'd, I'd still be a fan, but I think it's, yeah, it's insufficient yep. for, for synergists, for instance. Yep. Excellent. Very good. Excellent. Antoinette, hey thanks so much for your time. <laughs> Yeah, you're so welcome. It's tremendous talking to you. We need to have more conversations like this. It's great. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we might Absolutely. have a revisit in season two then in early 2022. We might see how things have progressed for you and circle back around for session number two. 
Yeah, that'd be perfect. Be perfect. We'll learn so much from each other. And just sharing these different perspectives, I think, helps people understand that the realm of vertical. So, yeah, I think you guys are doing okay. First job, but thanks so very much for having me on today. Excellent. Oh, absolutely. Fantastic. You, we'll let you get back to looking out the window and staring at the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. Right. Thanks, guys. See you. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. That's the end of today's episode. Thanks for listening. What's Next is brought to you by The Next. We are workplace futurists and transformation facilitators. You can reach us on the web at www.thenextnxt.com.au. Please ensure you subscribe to our channel to ensure you don't miss our up and coming episodes.